0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 2 Peter and learning what it means to grow in grace. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. I am more than excited today to show you my fancy new mug. Somebody... Anonymously, now I know he's from Chesterfield or she, Chesterfield, Virginia, sent me this really cool mug. It's called an ember mug. Have you ever heard of that? Now, watch what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this ember. See, look at that. It tells me it's empty, as if I didn't know. He hit it again. Look at that. So I hit it, hit it again. I can adjust the temperature on this mug. Are you kidding me? This mug is more technically advanced than my brain can even comprehend. So I uh, I have a new toy. So whoever sent me that, thank you. It looks like it cost a fortune, but uh, I promise you it will go to good use. Um, I, I'll tell you another thing that needs to go to good use, and that's our Bibles. We ought to be using them every day, and I know that you are. So let's go to Second uh, Peter chapter 1. And continue our study of this great book. We're nearing the end of chapter number one, and I think we're in verse number sixteen today. So, if you'd find your place there, Second Peter chapter one, and verse number sixteen, uh, where the Bible says, "For we have not followed we." So Peter is speaking for himself and for two others. We're going to talk about who those two others are here in a moment. Verse 16, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So so who are these we to whom uh, Peter is referring? Obviously, he includes himself by saying we, but who are the others that were eyewitnesses of the majesty of the Lord? Now, you might be thinking, well, that could be, Anybody who saw the Lord, because the Lord is majestic and he is the king of kings and he is Messiah. So anybody that saw the Lord uh, could be included perhaps in what Peter is saying. But uh, that's not true because Peter is speaking specifically now of seeing him in his majesty. So when Jesus was on earth in his public ministry, he was robed in flesh uh, he did not appear to others as he had divested himself of the prerogatives of deity. He didn't float around or wear a royal robe or or appear to others as uh, God. Uh, even though he was all God, all man, uh, he appeared as man, right? So when did Peter see him in his majesty? Well, the Bible goes on to say in verse number 17, for he received... From God the Father, honor and glory. When? When did that happen? Well, the Bible tells us, When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were were with him in the Holy Mount. So this helps us to understand exactly what event Peter was referring to. And the event was the transfiguration of Jesus. So let's see if we can remember our, our our Bible history. So in the Gospels, as Jesus conducted His public ministry, He came to a place called Caesarea Philippi one day. That's north of the Sea of Galilee. I'd love to take you there someday. You can still go to that this this very spot. And Jesus asked His disciples. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And remember, they said, Well, some are saying you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist, raised from the dead. And Jesus said, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter spoke for the disciples and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And remember, Jesus said to him, Flesh and blood hath not revealed that unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And the Bible says at that point, Jesus began to teach them, okay, here's who Messiah is. Messiah is not whom you think he is. You you think Messiah is the one that's going to come in and uh, defeat the Roman government and set up his capital in Jerusalem. Now, listen, all of that is going to happen. Jesus certainly will Depose the revived Roman Empire, and he will rule and reign from Jerusalem, and we call that the millennial reign of Christ. That will happen, but in the Jewish mindset, that that was going to happen then. They didn't see the fact that Jesus would come and have to suffer first, as our suffering servant would have to die in our place on the cross. They weren't thinking through that, so Jesus began to clarify those things. In fact, when Jesus told them, I'm going to die, Peter said, not so, Lord, that's not, we're not going to let that happen to you. And Jesus actually looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because it's satanic to try to circumvent the cross. Jesus came because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to die upon that cross in our place. So Jesus began to teach them that they're suffering first, not just for him, but for those that follow him. So all, all that come after me must take up their cross and follow me. Remember, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. That's Matthew 16, 24. So in that conversation, Jesus said, but there'll be some standing here that will not taste of death until you see the Son of Man coming in his glory. So you're going to see, some of you are going to see the majesty of myself. You're going to see me in that sense. So when did that happen? Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew 17, the very next chapter, uh, you can find this in Mark and Luke as well. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that one week later, Jesus took three of them, Peter, James, and John, into a mountain, a high mountain apart, so near Caesarea Philippi. We assume that mountain is Mount Hermon, the Mount of Transfiguration. But whatever mountain that was, Jesus was transfigured before them. Jesus appeared on that mountain, but what was interesting, he appeared there with Moses and with Elijah. So Moses, a symbol of the law. Moses was the writer of the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the the law, the books of Moses. And then Elijah, of course, represents the prophets. The Old Testament can be termed the law and the prophets. So what was God the Father doing in showing Peter, James, and John, Jesus, and Moses, and Elijah together on the Mount of Transfiguration? Well, I think a couple things. But I think the main thing is that all of what Jesus has been telling you, Peter, James, and John, is not inconsistent with what the Old Testament has predicted, what Moses, what Elijah, what the law and the prophets have taught. Why? Because the law and the prophets, the Old Testament taught irrefutably that Jesus, Messiah, would come to die. Isaiah 53, one of the prophets made that very, very clear. Psalm 22, Psalm 69, Genesis chapter three. I mean, the Exodus Passover lamb. It's all throughout the Bible that the Messiah would be a suffering servant first. Remember what happened? The cloud overshadowed. And when the cloud lifted and in the cloud, the father gave the words, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. So he listened to what he's saying, Peter, James, and John. And when the, the cloud disappeared, it was, there was Jesus there alone. And so Peter, James, and John, they saw this. They experienced this. So when Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, hey, we're, we're not giving you a fable, uh, listeners, hearers, uh, readers of this letter. We're not giving you a myth. This is not pie in the sky. This is not some Disney fairy tale story that we're telling. We saw Jesus in his majesty. We heard the voice of God. We are eyewitnesses. Boy, eyewitness testimony is absolutely imperative to verify events. That's why the Bible says uh, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So what is Peter saying? Peter is saying, take our word for it. We were there. We saw it. It's real. You can believe it. That's why I'm making such a big deal about these things. That's why I'm making such a big deal about living for Jesus. That's why I'm making such a big deal throughout this letter about knowing him, not just academically, but in my heart in my experience through my life, to know Him, to grow in, in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that's why the Bible makes a big deal about you knowing Him and experiencing you experiencing Him yourself, knowing who Jesus is. And now, how do we know Jesus? Well, we know Jesus. We do via His Word, the living Word of God. Jesus is revealed in the written Word of God. The Bible, and we have a sure word, a bona fide testimony uh, on which we can place our faith and lean our trust. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that next episode, because we are done for today. I'm sorry uh, that uh, we didn't get too far, but uh, it's important that we understand this, verses 16 through 18, because this is prelude. Peter is saying, Hey, we saw it, we're eyewitnesses. But I have even a better repository for your trust. And that is the word of God itself. And we're going to talk about that next episode. So I hope you'll join us. Appreciate uh, your faithfulness today. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.